listening to 90% Mental Conversations with Grant Parr, episode 171. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with founder of Strively.org, Kate Lighty, to talk about her vision behind Strively and how she manages her emotions towards her clients when things go their way, along with when they don't. Kate shares her perspective about mental toughness as an entrepreneur, athlete, and as a mom. If you want to see how athletics has helped her to be an entrepreneur and a corporate athlete, then this is a must-listen episode for you. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athlete's Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? NeuroPeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit NeuroPeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR. Hey, Kate, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited. I love having what I call corporate athletes on my show to, to talk about their mindset, their story, their journey, how athletics has helped them be entrepreneurs. And with you being a founder of an incredible company called Strively, um, I'm just really excited to share your story, but how athletic has kind of, kind of put you on this path of what you're doing with Strively. So I'm really excited to share that, uh, that story, that journey with my, my listeners today. Sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get into one of my favorite topics and it's mental toughness. And when you think about being mentally tough, and again, think about as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, as a mom, right? What does mental toughness mean to you? Such a hard question to answer. It's like something that you know internally, but then to try to put words around it is really difficult. Um, I really don't know how to answer that. I really don't. I think I, I relate... When I think about mental toughness, like my mind immediately goes to the people in my program mm -hmm. because of what they have been through in their lives. You know, many of them have come from really tough backgrounds and that's what led them into being in prison. So to come out of prison and then, and then almost to like have the audacity to think that they could have a professional job in tech sales it's such a leap. It's such a, right. it's such a, it's such a leap. So talk about mental toughness. I mean, our candidates have to go through a, a lot of 
internal and mental work just to even get to a place where they can see themselves working in this role. Um, so I think um, just ha having the audacity to, to believe that you can do this um, is, is the epitome of mental toughness to me. Yeah. It's, it, there's so many different factors that, that go into being mentally tough. And I feel like language, uh, our, in, in, you know, our inner dialogue is, it's crucial. And I mean, and again, it's from where I sit, looking at someone who has rehabbed themselves, has gone through the, uh, the prison system is trying to get back into civilian life. Is it fair to say like that? It, like, have you witnessed and seen like, like how cool is it to see the transformation of their inner dialogue? I mean, cause I can only imagine for, for them to go through what they've gone through and to come back, um, you have to shed off a lot of belief systems and you have to kind of create this new language to get prepared to have that confidence to get back into society. Yeah. I think um, the interesting part of my job is, um, is helping them see the transferable skills so I, for example, I had one of our candidates, he said to me, I, you know, I always knew I was street smart. Um, I could hustle all day long, but I never thought I, I was smart, smart. And I had to remind him that like, those are the same, those are the same things. Right. You just have to figure out how to transfer those, those skills. And it, it's amazing to watch actually. You know, I, I can only imagine and, and, my prior life, I did something similar to what you do and, and what Strively does. But before we get into to your company, because I know, you know, through your whole tech background um, and being an entrepreneur and and what you're doing now, um, as far as being an athlete and swimming, can you share a specific time where you had to be mentally tough or you had to roll up your sleeves or you had to dig your heels in and, and, and be mentally tough? Yeah, so many times. Um, I mean, I think for, uh, I didn't get back into swimming until much later in, in life. I swam competitively as a young person and then didn't get into swimming until, you know, the middle of last year in the middle of a pandemic and uh, my startup had just gone under and I was unemployed and I had kids at home who were doing distance learning and I, um, I needed an outlet. <laughs> and so I went, I joined the master's team and master swimming team. And at the time I was like, I was drinking a lot, like a lot of people in the middle of the pandemic, I was just stressed to the max. And I went to the, the first day of practice for me and I was so intimidated. I mean, I'm working out with Ironman triathletes and professional triathletes and, um, I would go in my, <laughs> I would get in my car at the end of practice and I would cry because I felt so inferior. Wow. Um, and so I had to just push through and go back every day and make improvements, small improvements incrementally. And I had to work really hard at not comparing myself to other people. And I feel like that skill and that process really helped me in coaching the people that I'm working with every day. Um, I'm thinking about imposter syndrome, which is something that a lot of our candidates are going through. Oh yeah. 
and it's uh, it's a beautiful story because um, it just has vulnerability written all over it. Like to to show up even when you're uncomfortable, to lean in, push through each day, and you know I've talked a lot about um, you know the whole comparison game. You know, it's a thief of joy, and it's really hard to not only have joy for yourself in the moment when you're comparing yourself, but there's people around you that are they're doing great stuff too, and it's stripping the opportunity for you to share joy, that energy. And so that to have you go through that whole process and to adopt, you know, to get back into athletics and swimming, how cool is it to have that lesson that you can share with, with your candidates? Because they're going to, I would say that's probably on the forefront, right? They're going to compare themselves to all these other people that are getting opportunities. Yep. Yeah. And, and honestly, the the process of getting back into swimming and joining Masters was the only reason I think I was able to start the program to begin with. So with that being said, so share with my listeners about Stripe League. Share, like, what is it all about? What was the true motivation? Um, obviously, I know it seems like the, the swimming kind of guided you through this, but give, you know, share some light on, on Stripe League. Yeah. So some, sometime in 2019, I've been working in tech and lots of startups. Um, I think I was on my sixth startup at that point. I was really burnt out. I could not find the joy in, in tech sales anymore. And a friend of mine, um, my best friend gave me some great advice. And she said, why don't you go be of service? Um, and so I did. So I, I said, okay, I should definitely, I'll do that. So I started volunteering at Salinas Correctional Training Facility um, here in the Valley in California. And it's a state prison. Um, and I went in with Hartnell College uh, with the intention to teach um, employment skills. So how to write a resume, how to prepare for an interview, those types of things. And um, immediately... I recognized the similarity in the people, the gentlemen that were in my class with people that I worked with in sales every day. Um, they just had this natural curiosity, um, natural gift of gab, very personable. They wanted to know how much money I made. They wanted to know how they could get jobs in tech. And I thought, well, this would make a fantastic nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um And then not having really the time to do that. I'm a single mom um, working in tech. Just, I didn't have the time. And then 2020 happened and I had, I found myself with just an extraordinary amount of time. And so I started um, the program uh, and I put my first group of women through the program in November of 2020. Now, being in service is really interesting um, as you were talking, because I spent 17 years in, in corporate sales. I spent 10 years in professional services and staffing. So I got to a point where I, um, I just had a hard time. So I was like, and I was really good for majority of my, my life in sales, but I just, I just didn't have it. I didn't have it in my belly. I didn't have that fire. And what was really interesting when I reflect on it, it wasn't that, um, you know, there's, it wasn't cause there's years I wasn't good. You know, there were some dynamics there, but it was because of the mindset of the service piece. I was so focused on serving me and serving my number and serving my ego that it wasn't about the client. And so when mm-hmm. I got when I got out of the whole corporate lifestyle and I got into to mental performance coaching, 
I realized the number, the best role in the world is to be in service. And if I would go back, that would be one thing I would change is to switch that the energy of service, not servicing me, servicing my client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can really, I can relate. I can relate to that so much. Um, I think I, I real, I discovered a lot about myself when I started doing this, about how much my ego was involved in, in my career and how much money I made and what it looked like to other people. Um, and it really didn't mean anything to me. It was just about an outward performance. Right. For sure. Well, and then when you, when you think about doing this, creating this company, now that you're in this role of service, do you feel like this is like, it was your calling or is this, is this your purpose or is there something bigger than this? No, a hundred percent. Um, it's what I was made to do. I get emotional talking about it because <laughs> Good. Um, it's, it really has become like the, the greatest joy of my life. And with that being said, because I know I've you know, obviously been in service. I mean, it's just, there's an energy, there's connectivity to it. And I also remember back in the day when I was helping people uh, find jobs and get them jobs, there was the, there was one part though that I always connected with that when I got them at a job, whether if it was a temporary two-week assignment, full-time job, I was affecting their life. And so you get connected to that. And you get yeah. and if you're and if it's like a reoccurring candidate where you're helping them throughout their career, then you build a relationship and rapport and there's all sorts of good stuff, right? So with you, how do you manage those emotions when you're especially with the people that you're dealing with, what what they came from? Yeah. Um, is it does it tug on your heartstrings sometimes when when they don't get a job or when they do get the job? Like how do you manage those emotions? Yeah. I, I want to tell you um like a very personal story with one of our candidates. Yeah. Um, her name is Margaret and she is an incredible human being. I met her for the first time and I knew like she just had it. Um, so driven, um, so committed to her own success. So she came through our program um, and she was living in Arizona and she wanted to work in tech. That was her 100% goal. I want to work in technology. And so she came through the program and we worked really hard together. I mean, we put in so much work um, and she applied for like one of the hottest tech companies out there right now, um, like the unicorn status tech company. And um and she just made it through step by step. You know, the inter- interview process is really taxing. She went through like eight interviews. Um, and then they offered her the job, which is fantastic. But for a person like her, she's got a background. She has to then go through the background check. So then we went through the kind of excruciating process of you have to declare your background. Um you don't have to, but you should. Um, and so she had to be transparent about that and go through the process. And then we we waited nearly two weeks. And I say we because I was just as um, invested in, in her getting this job as she was. I mean, yeah. she would call, call me on the phone and uh, crying because she was so just wanted this opportunity so badly. Um, and then we got the call that she got the job. And she was starting within a couple of weeks. She picked up her life in Arizona. She moved down the street from me, um, got her first apartment on her own with her daughter. 
And now, um, now she's a part of our family. Um, she's doing taco Tuesday with us. And, um, she's, she's a part of, of us now. So that, I mean, I can't think of anything more rewarding than that. No, I mean, it's, um, that's it. I mean, that's the story of service. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, believing in each other and sharing good energy. And it's just, um, and even if she didn't get that job, um, you're setting her up and she's got support. And there's a lot of people I'm guessing from that have gone through the system. They don't feel like they got a lot of support. Yeah. What's so cool is, um, so now she's working for this amazing tech company and I just graduated another program and one of our candidates, she helped get a job there. So now we have two people working at this company that have graduated from our program and it's uh, life changing. Wow. And is it, yeah. is it fair to ask, you know, since you've had this company up and running for the last couple of years, uh, how many, how many placements have you had? So we've only been doing this since November of 2020. So I'm not even, I'm not even a year yet. Um, and we've had one, two, three, four, nine graduates. That's awesome. And and what's, what's the end goal for Strively? Like what's, yeah. What, what is the vision? What's the end goal? I mean, I would love the program to be on a national level. Um, but to be honest, like it's happened so fast. Uh, we're still within our first year. I wasn't sure if the tech community was ready for this. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a pretty radical concept, um, especially considering that the tech community is notoriously um, exclusive and um, elitist, to be honest. Um, so I wasn't really sure if if they were going to embrace what we're doing, but so far it's really working. So, um, so the goal is to continue to grow the organization. I mean, there is no lack of talent out there coming out of the prison system. So, um, our country is in an absolute state of emergency when it comes to mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. So, if you think about this incredible pool of talent, just kind of wasting away in the system. Um, there's a lot of people to support and help. So hopefully we'll grow on a national level. You know, and you know, I can only imagine, you know, putting on your sales hat for so many years that you were in sales, you'll have to, you probably have to go through or you deal with a lot of maybe stigmas that these companies that you're talking to, maybe not, but what are some of the things that you have to kind of sell over or sell into? Um, to make them comfortable on, on using your service, but then also hiring this type of person? I think that um, there's a lot of education that is needed. Um, a lot of people don't rec- realize that, you know, the people that have served the most time are the highest quality of candidates. They had the time to be in prison and actually take advantage of programs um, and to do that internal work because they had time to do it. Um, so I will say that the ones that are coming through our program that have probably the most serious of backgrounds are the ones that um, that have really done the work and are really high performers. Wow. Plus, they're also so grateful to have the opportunity. Like they're the ones that are that are working the hardest because they don't want to they don't want to lose it. Right. So I think yeah. it's educating is the is the thing that I have to do the most. Got it. And that makes sense. Cause you, you know, you hear so many cool stories like that. It does make sense. Someone's in there for a long time 
And it kind of makes you wonder too, that if someone's in there for a long time and they actually invest in themselves, read the books, do, you know, getting good behavior, do, doing all the right things. Um, you mean, it's just for the most part, it was just a bad choice they made, you know, or bad choices. And it's about reprogramming themselves and no one. And the cool thing about it though, they're not, who's programming them, them. There's not a, like, there's not like a, I mean, I don't know if they have mentors um, or have a lot of support that are teaching mm -hmm. them to, to read stuff and to expose themselves to stuff. But, um, but it's kind of cool and it makes sense that the people that are no longer are the ones that are probably the, the better candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cool. So let's get into swimming. Okay. Let's get into, into <laughs> kind of your mindset on how, because I, I talk a lot on the show about how athletes, when they, whether they're, you know, competing, actively competing, or they've transitioned out of sport, you get so much from competing, period. And you can take a lot of those, that goodness, that specialness into your work. So since you have been competing, you've been swimming, what do you think has that you're taking from swimming that's allowing you to be a better entrepreneur and a, and a better leader? A hundred percent. I don't even have to think about the answer to this question. It's mm -hmm. discipline. Uh, um, absolutely. It's the discipline. Um, I, I think that as an adult, I kind of, I forgot that um, discipline is really useful for me. Um, I mean, I'm sure it is for everyone, but I think it's especially um, good for me. I need the discipline. So to have a, like a time I had to show up and, um, practicing with the team, you know, five days a week, um, it really allowed me the structure, um, to have, to, to start an organization like this. Mm. And I, I'm just out of curiosity, since you do have, uh, kids having your kids see single mom you know, create a company, run a company and also compete and see the discipline. Have you, have they, have, has that rubbed off on them? Have they, have they, they're witnessing this, this story being written. It is, it is really, um, it's really cool to hear them talk about me, to be, <laughs> to be honest, like the way that they talk about me to other people is like, wow. Oh, my mom's this badass, awesome swimmer and she she owns her own company and she's helping people and it's really incredible um yeah it means a lot to me that's cool now and we all know this as athletes you can't be perfect you're not going to win everything so you have to deal with however you deem a failure or a mistake or not meeting expectations so you have to deal with those emotions and I can only imagine what you do running a company and dealing, working with people and getting them jobs and affecting their lives. You're going to have bad days. So has that is, has there been a correlation on dealing with some of the stuff you do in swimming, how it can help you on the bad days with your work? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I have thought to myself, like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? <laughs> you think that you can affect this kind of change? that's crazy um and of course i have those days regularly even when in the midst of having all of the, these successes i hear that voice in my head that's like you're crazy to think this is going to work um and again i think it just goes back to like i get up the next day 
I show up at the pool. I do my best, have my bad days. Um, and I just keep showing up for myself. Yeah. If I keep showing up for myself, then I show up for other people. It's awesome. And is there a mentality of, and I think we might've talked about this when we first uh, had our first call, but the mentality of I get to, so I, I get to swim, I get to run this company, oh gosh, I get yeah. to, because I, I feel like that's the thing that kind of helps me through my shitty days is I get to do it. I get to show up tomorrow. That's that cool I, thing. Yes. I spend a lot of time in the pool when I feel like giving up, I just, I think about like the people that I'm serving and I think about the future people. So there's, there's someone that is sitting in prison wasting away that would love to have the opportunity to bust my ass in the, in the pool um, or bust their ass in the pool. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, They would love the opportunity to run their own company. And so when I feel like giving up, I'm constantly thinking about our future candidates. You know, when you think about your, your career in swimming, like, have you thought about like what, so you, you show up every day, you're, you're allowing yourself to get better. You deal with good days, bad days, but like, what's, what's the end goal? Is it, is it, do you want to compete, compete? Do you want to get into triathlons? Like what, it, what's, what's the, the end goal of, of doing it? So I think the last time we talked, I asked you for a, for a hot tip. Yeah, a hot mental coach tip. <laughs> and actually, I spent a lot of time thinking about the thing you said, which is like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you mm-hmm. swimming? And at first, I was like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm swimming, because I want to see what my body can do. I'm 43. Now I want to see what I, I want to see what I can do. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it was not an accurate answer at all. Um, and so I think that the I don't I don't necessarily have um a goal in mind for swimming and competing is not really at the at the top like I I don't think about competing um again. Um would I I think I've gone I've gone in and out of training for triathlete triathlons basically all of my adult life but I've never actually competed in anything. Mm. Um but I like the Again, I like the discipline I've shown. Like I like the I want to train for it because I like the discipline of it. Yeah. So I think maybe the next step is for me to compete because I'm doing all the work. And okay. I think fear fear has probably held me back from actually doing the competition portion of it. So I think now that I've proven to myself that I can keep up yeah. and that I can start this organization and I can make something happen, I think I can also compete. Well, and I, it's so funny because I, that's what I want to lean into next is, is the fear piece. Um, mm-hmm. Not only the fear that you had to get over just so you can create this consistent experience of swimming, but then the fear of, you know, actually competing. Uh, but I want to go back because when you first, when I asked you that question, like, you know, why do you swim? It's actually pretty cool that it, 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 you were coming from more of a curiosity standpoint. Like, I just want to see what my body does. Okay, cool. That's actually, that's a great spot to get curious to see what, what am I, what am I made of? Right. And, and if we get to that point too, where we, we just, we put ourselves in this position that's uncomfortable, where we keep on leaning in, we kind of, um, this is Michael Gervais talked about this. You put yourself in a position to meet yourself. You get to meet who you are during 
some crazy shit. Like, and there's times probably you're in your car crying, like, what am I doing? You're meeting yourself in that moment. Right. But you woke up the next day and you did it. So that curiosity has built that discipline and it has getting you to lean into that fear so you can actually get ready to compete. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Right. So what is the fear? Um, what is the fear? I mean, I got, I think a lot of my fear comes from being a perfectionist, mm. um, being really hard on myself. And so if I don't, if I don't fail, I don't have to, I don't have to see, I don't have to fail if I don't try. So <laughs> I don't have to see that side of me, but, um, but I feel more like now that I'm getting older, I feel more fearless than I have ever felt in my life. And I think you, um, I think I kind of have to have that in order to start this program. Yeah. You know, it's, it fears around us all the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even, you know, someone like me who teaches people to, you know, to lean in and to overcome that fear. I deal with fear. Uh, I feel like I'm more aware of when I feel it, you know, or when I create it uh, more often than not, I'm creating the, the a future tense of what could happen, but you know, the, the acronym for fear, and there's a couple of them, but the one I love, and there's two of them, it's it's one side of it, and there's another side of it. So there's a false evidence appearing real. So we create this evidence, and that evidence doesn't exist. It only exists in our mind because we created it, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can say, screw it. Like, fuck it. I'm going to do this thing and face everything and rise. Yeah. Right? So that's another acronym. So that's the other side of fear. When you get to that point of vulnerability and you're like screwed i'm gonna show up i'm gonna go meet yeah. myself i'm gonna go do this right so face everything yeah. rise. i feel like i'm on i'm on the the fuck it side at this point <laughs> okay good <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to be you're ready to rock it, you're ready to roll it feels good it feels good Not that's good yeah well then it's you know it's really cool now that you're in this position uh, I'm huge on language uh language directs us it it centers us it focuses us and there's so many other things it can do. So if we use the right language, we know our own language, we can use it to the best of our ability in the moment to not only direct us, but make better decisions. So when you think about a word, I always call it the power of one word. It's from John, John Gordon. But if you were going to go into competing and swimming, just, just athletics, what would be that one word you bring with you into that competition or into that training session? One word? Yeah. Gosh, you should have prepped me for this. I'm not ready to answer this question. One word. <laughs> I mean, I think it's go. Okay, good. <laughs> that's cool. I, I Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because that's my word when I procrastinate. Anytime, like when I get overwhelmed and I look at my computer and I got, oh my God, I got so many things to do. The only way that snaps me and just, and I just pick one thing. I don't care what it is. Pick it. I, I say, go, yeah. go. Yeah. And then, cause once you get something in motion for the most part, things stay in motion. So totally. Yeah. I like yeah. go. Yeah. What about waking up in the morning, getting ready, going to work? What's that one word that you take into the workplace? Drive. <laughs> Fitting. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it cool i was so, like drive is a good word too because it's not um there's there's nothing about it that is um that's ego driven like your drive is just a it's a movement it's a you're just moving yeah 
it's similar to go, I guess, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's also, there's an energy behind it, right? When we're striving, mm-hmm. like we're, yeah. we're, to me, I feel like when you strive, you are, you're, there's an energy of, of trust in yourself and mm-hmm. movement, like you're striving, right? Mm-hmm. And you're motivated, mm-hmm. you're inspired, you're striving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. It's very cool. Now, I always, I love talking about reflection because I think that's, that's where we kind of learn. And when we look back at stuff, right. And when you think about, again, another two-part question. So athletics swimming, you've Mm -hmm. shared a lot about what swimming has done for you and how it's made you a better uh, human being, a better entrepreneur, better mom. But when you reflect on your experience of reconnecting with swimming, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself as an athlete? Um, oh geez. I think, um, there were, there were several years in my adult life recently that I really, um, I forgot what I was capable of. Mm-hmm. And I, I leaned into a lot of bad habits and unhealthy lifestyle choices. And, um, and I think that I relearned what I'm capable of mentally and physically. Does that answer your question? I feel like I maybe. No, absolutely. I I think as you were talking, like there's a lot of times where I have guests on and even like when I'm working with my athletes and my clients, like as they're talking it, you know, obviously I'm tuned in, but some of the stuff brings up some stuff because I'm human too. I, I, I have a story. I have a journey. I went through some shit too. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds me of like other people that I've worked with and been around in myself that when I got into bad habits, um, I started to fall asleep to the wheel. It was like, yeah. I started going through these motions and what my awareness was going away until I get something happened. Right. It could totally. be catastrophic or it could just be some minor totally. that brought some awareness. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Totally. I've had that moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, who are you? Um, so it's pretty amazing to come back from that and really know who you are in For your sure. core. Yeah. yeah. You know, and this, this is a great question. This is uh, from the podcast I was listening to, but, and it's, it's actually a hard one to answer sometimes, but when you're not thinking about your past, or thinking about your future, who are you? And it's like, because that's a that's a bare bone naked question sometimes, because we get so caught between those two paradigms. Yeah. So who are you right now? So mm-hmm. not that you have to answer that, but we all have ask that question: Who are we? What am I doing? Yeah. What's my purpose? Right? What's the yeah. meaning of life? All that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the meaning of life for me is is serving, is yeah. being of service. I really. I really believe that. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I've, I've learned later in life that this is like my calling too. And, um, you know, my energy is my offering and that's part of the service side. Um, and it just feels really good to give, give, give and take and not take because I used to take a lot and I didn't even know, um, that right. I did. so now I'm right. just, uh, you know, that's why this is really cool to do the show because I get to share not only my energy, but I get to bring out other people's energy to yeah. really highlight some good stuff that's happened, you know, and what uh, we talked about this before, where there's an opportunity, there's a crisis and we've all 
like we've all gone through a crisis to get that opportunity. I said that backwards. So whether it's a crisis, there's an opportunity. So I got you. So we get to, I get to share that, you know, we got, we've all gone through stuff and we all have stuff. So, so let me go, let me deeper and wider on the, the last question here. So when you think about your whole life, like your whole career, everything you've gone through, um, what do you think you've learned the most? Oh man. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> I've been through a lot in my life. Um, I, I I feel like the thing that I relate to most with the people that are coming through our organization is resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the resilience to come through very dark times and um, and show up for yourself. Um, I say this, I think I've, my listeners have heard me say this a hundred times and I say this to all my clients, but you do all the hard work in the dark so you can shine in the light. And so, you know, you're doing it, like you're doing the hard work, you're doing the heavy lifting and, you know, that light is shine not only through yourself, through the, you know, your own successes, but obviously when you get somebody a job or you're in that process of showing people a different life that's delight. And that's uh it's a beautiful gift to, to, to share it and, and to highlight it. I, I can tell you that the, the gift that they are getting is nothing compared to the gift that they're giving me mm-hmm. by giving me the opportunity to be a part of their story. It's an honor. Totally. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And Kate, this is uh that's been a great, great uh interview and, and thank you so much for sharing your story and your energy and um and really letting us in um kind of what you've been going through and how cool is it in a short amount of, a short amount of time what you've done with strively um i can't wait to see your success i really appreciate that don't forget to donate at strively.org all right don't forget and, and where can people where can my listeners learn more about strively and connect with you on social media Yep. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Um, and you can uh, find more information about us on strively.org. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Kate. I really appreciate it. Thank you.